Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Property Podcast. My name is Stephen Clark and I'm joined as always with my co-host Nick Ponte. How are you, Nick? I'm good, thanks. I'm a wee bit blown away, to be honest, with that interview that we just did with Alex Walker. So, um, you know, like we just talked there, you know, Alex is, is 52, he's a self-managing landlord, but guess what? He's got nearly 200 properties and... You know, he's at, he's at 135, but he's planning to get to 200 by the end of this year. And you're, you've hit the nail on the head. I'm kind of a bit flabbergasted myself as well because we can all get bogged down in the details, doing our refurbs and enter portfolio slowly. He, fucking, he does it all himself. He self-manages them. He's got systems in place. He's been doing it for 20 years. He, he grows. He continually grows and evolves, evolves. And what he was sharing on the, on the interview was brilliant. I mean, there was nothing... There was nothing I suppose that none of us maybe wouldn't know, but it just shows you that do, doing the do, doing the hard work, putting an effort, the consistent effort over a prolonged period of time can get you phenomenal results. I think it was interesting because quite a lot of time we say, right, as an investor, you're going at this as a property investor, so you don't want the hassle of managing your properties, put it out to a letting agent. But he's gone completely the other way. He said he's tried letting agents, uh, said that it just wasn't for him. He likes to have a hand on it. He likes to just be right hands on it you can tell he's got a passion for it and he just loves the business so you know outsourcing everything's not for everyone um but it's interesting it was it was a great interview to be honest it was it was good and i and i it's i think it's quite rare to speak to guys like alex as well because a lot of the times that you feel that the people that you know the older school generation are either gone from the industry they lost everything in 2008 crash or or they're, or they're just kind of over the changes and I mean this industry changes constantly they maybe just got fed up with it pissed off with the tenants whatever issues they've got they just kind of there's it's quite a very to find someone that's been in the game that long and just kept staying consistent so I think when you when you meet someone like that, and I was going to say that to you Nick that you know you ask him the slightest little question and he just goes off and because he's got all this knowledge and experience uh, and stories to share that, that he just he just goes for it and it's and I, I guess like that a brilliant interview and this is I think this is why we love doing the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you obviously like we missed an opportunity because Stephen's like, ah, I need to work out his cash flow figures on his portfolio. And we never actually asked him, but what do you reckon, Stephen? <laughs> well, he did mention a couple of times that his uh, his rental incomes were about six hundred pounds, six hundred fifty, and about six hundred for one hundred and thirty-five units. Well, he was telling me that I was sitting on my calculator on my phone working out about eighty-one grand a month income from it. So there'll be there'll be a fair. Uh, be a fair bit of cash flow there and, he, and, he, and he's reaping the rewards he did touch on that as well about the fact that he worked a lot of hours you know starting this off and he's only starting to reap the rewards the last couple of years he didn't do it too soon he didn't go for the fancy cars watches earlier on and the, the nice holidays he's only just doing that in, in recent years and um, so it's good for him it's good to see Aye, so i got my figures wrong a little bit there at the start i so he's wanting to get to 200 properties that's his goal but he's at 135 at the moment but he's been he says that he can ramp that up quite quickly which, I mean, it's an interesting thing as well because you've got to look at someone that's got that much experience and that, that much knowledge and, and, and seen the industry kind of go up and down over the years, how right now in this current climate with prices going up and the global pandemic of coronavirus, he is purchasing and adding to his portfolio and, double, and you know, almost want to add 34% onto his portfolio. So it's interesting what he must be seeing in the market and he must see there's an opportunity right now to ramp it up as well. 
Yeah, he goes into all the systems as well, how he manages that size of property portfolio himself. All the systems, he goes into a lot of detail. He goes into a system of actually acquiring properties as well. Now, a lot of you will be like, where do we find these magical deals? I don't think he's looking for anything magical or anything amazing. Uh, I think he's just looking for good, solid hooses, as they call them. Um, and, and obviously, he's got the advantage of momentum behind them. He's, he's, he's bought them for maybe 50, 60 grand, 40 grand, I think he touched on as well. So... If he's been buying for that long, they'll definitely went up in value. So he's definitely got momentum. He's got equity going. He can leverage cash. He can leverage lending. So yeah, he's, he's, and if, if he's bringing that kind of cash flow every month, he's certainly going to have cash reserves to to to. He doesn't need to look for the kind of the BRR deals that maybe a lot of people are starting out and building the portfolio are looking for. He can maybe pay a, a good bit more. So yeah, quick disclaimer as well. We'll just cut to the interview just now. But the he was out on the road. I don't know where he'd parked up his fancy new Range Rover, but there wasn't a great signal there. So it did kind of cut out a few times. So bear with it and just kind of apologies for the quality and hope you enjoy the interview with Alex Walker. It's, it's really just an informal chat, mate. We're just gonna we'll just we'll just do a, a wee intro and stuff like that and chat about your experiences and, and kind of you know I'm sure you're gonna have a huge amount of value to give to the listeners as well. But um, before we take off, can you give a wee bit of like an intro to Nick just so he kind of knows what your background is and so he can think of questions to ask you as well? Okay, so uh, hi Nick. So, uh, so my name's Alex. Uh, I've been in the property business for about twenty odd years. Uh, I say the odds, probably about 22 years or something. Um, what I think happens a lot just now is people uh, physically go into the property business, uh, but what happens with myself is I kind of fell into it backwards, you know. Uh, so I met a, a girl, <laughs> as I say, uh, I ended up uh, going with her. I tried to sell my house. I couldn't sell it, so I just rented it out. Uh, and nobody was really renting and a tenancy agreement was basically an A4 sheet of paper and that was it and then what happened was um, and it was a handshake uh, and that was a tenancy agreement you know uh, we agreed like £150 a fortnight I used to collect it fortnightly uh, and that was fine and then what happened was so I moved in with her and then I decided well why don't we get a, a house together and we'll rent out your house. But I did actually try to sell my house for whatever reason. This is way back in the year 2000. I tried to sell it and I couldn't sell it. So um, we ended up renting out her house. And then, and, and there was that kind of eureka moment, you know, when you just kind of, whether it be property or something else, selling widgets online, all of a sudden you realise, Christ, everybody's wanting these widgets, you know. Uh, and, and that was a eureka moment for me was when I realised I was actually making more money from renting out property than I was on my day job. And uh, and it was, you know, so I went part-time in my day job and then went full-time in my, in my, um, uh, uh, in the property business, you know, and that's basically, and then just kind of multiplied it from, from there, you know, and so that's basically what happened. And, and what was your day job at the time? Alex? So at the time I was uh, I, I was just working in Sky Television. I was on the phones. So uh, I was, good morning, welcome to Sky. You speak to Alex. How can I help you? So it was that constant, you know, uh, and, and that was that. You know, it was just like, I, I mean, it was pure commission and uh, you got obviously got a wee bit of wage, but you made your money on the sales, you know. Uh, so it was it was constant, up, 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 all day, every day. Uh, so it was one of the jobs where I had a high turnover of 
uh, employees because it's quite a monotonous job. Good morning, welcome to Sky. Good morning, blah, blah, blah. so you know people get fed up with that. So there wasn't. Whereas me, I had a very young family at the time, so for me it was ideal because it was easy work. Uh, had your headset on, you know. You know these guys they phone up and go, you know. I know India and all that shit on, but still. Back then, it was the Scots. <laughs> you'll know how, you know how to get a discount on all your sports, Sky Sports packages and all that. You'll know all the tricks, how to get a discount then. Well, 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 well that was the thing. And, and we, was, uh, we had, well, I, I mean, I still use this today, but we had ammunition. So, you know, somebody would phone up and they go, blah, blah, blah. And I'd say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll just check. I'll, I'll see if I can do it. I'm not sure. Let me put you in hold. Now, if I can get this deal for you, if I can get this deal for you, uh, are you going to go ahead with the sale? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Let me put you in hold. Put me in hold. Have a wee stretch. Right, yeah, I tell you, you're very lucky. You're very lucky. And then you would give them the, you know, you say, right, great news. You've got the Sky Sports. And then, bang. You get. But really, I mean, Sky, you know, had the ammunition, gave us the ammunition to get the sales. And it's a bit like that with property. You know, tenant will phone up and they'll go, well, would you put a new gate on the back new, on the back fence or would you replace the fence? Now, if you're getting, like the average, what I do, right, is if an average rent in the area is 600, I always charge more. And the reason why I charge more, I always charge 50 quid more than the market rate. And it's just something I've learned over the years. And what I find is charging that extra 50 quid, what they do is they feel that, Oh, he's a brilliant landlord. Oh, he's brilliant. He's put a new fence up for me last year. But what they don't realise is they're paying for it because they're paying extra 50 quid a month. So if the rent is 50 quid, I always charge, sorry, if the rent's 600, I always charge 650. And I get it. And uh, I get that extra rent and they stay ways because they think, oh, he's a great landlord, which I am. <laughs> but they're happy with that because, you know, but they're paying for it. You know, they're paying for it, you know. I like that because road, that extra 50 grand a month rolled over a, a big portfolio is a, a huge difference to the income, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and I, and I think, and, and it's provided, it's like anything, I'm talking to you guys through an iPhone 12 plus Max, top of the range, all singing and dancing, uh, but it's a great product, you know, and, and, and this is costing me, it's actually 50 quid a month. Uh, I actually looked at buying one with twelve hundred, or you can pay fifty quid a month there, two years with twelve hundred quid. Uh, but you can also get a cheap phone for like a tenner a month. But the thing is, uh, people will pay extra for a good product, and that's the same whether you're in, in all walks of life, whether you're buying a nice shirt or buying a nice car or whatever, people will pay extra. So provide a good product, and what I find is that with a good product, you'll get the good tenants. Does that make sense? So you'll you'll get the guys that can afford six fifty a month. You don't want the ones that are scrimping and scraping, try to get five hundred and you're providing a rubbish you know, not a rubbish service, but you're providing a cheaper service. If you provide a better carpets, better quality kitchen and so on and so on, they will pay they will pay that wee bit more. I think so. It works for me, you know. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. I think if you give somebody a decent something like that's worth looking after, then they are definitely more likely to look after it. So hundred uh, percent agree with you. You've got a unique uh, strategy, haven't you, Alex? You've got a unique uh, property type that you that you can always go for, don't you? Yeah, I, I stick with um, two beds. Don't get me wrong. I think any business has made mistakes, and the thing with property is once you've bought it, you've 
kind of you kind of go it for life, you know. It's like boom, that's it for life. Um, and I do have flats that I wish I hadn't bought. That's what I'm going to see just now. Is 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 it's one of my flats in Greensmouth. But um, I don't buy flats just now. All I buy is terrace properties, uh, two bed terrace properties. And I think it's I'm not saying it's important, but I think it's good if you find a niche that you're good at. Like um, you know, some people might go into Edinburgh and they just concentrate in two and three bed flats and that's all they buy all day, every day. But myself, I, I stick with my wee terraces, uh, two and three bedders in places like Grainsmouth, Falkirk, West Lothian, Wishaw, Motherwell, all these kind of central belt. So within about a, a maximum of about a 45 minute drive from where I live uh, and just kind of run about that circle. Uh, and, th- and that does me, and, and I get the wee, and what I find is where the terrace houses, uh, you get um, the families moving in. So you get the the, the mum, the dad, the two kids, or the single mum with the three kids or whatever. And what you tend to find is once they're in that local school, they're in there forever. And you've got them for 10, 12, 15 years. And a lot of my, t- I was at one earlier on this morning, uh, the guy actually said, as God's always truth, the guy, the guy actually said, the first time I've seen you, I said, oh, well, it's, it's nice to meet you. Seven years I've been here. <laughs> I know it's truth. I'd met the guy before. I didn't even know what he looked like. I spoke to him on the phone a few times, but I didn't know what he looked like. You know, he stays in a three-bed end terrace house, uh, standing detached, uh, and, and he's got it absolutely gorgeous, absolutely lovely. He was asking about his patio This is what I was saying so earlier on. So he was asking about his patio doors, and we kind of, patched them up over the years and the patio doors are knackered, sliding door and kind of fixed window. I said, you know what, we'll just get it all replaced for you. He's paying about 750 rent, do you know what I mean? Uh, the house is absolutely beautiful inside. He's got it as his home and what, it'll cost me maybe 15, 12, between a grand and 1500 to replace the whole patio but um, he'll, 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 he'll think I'm God, do you know what I'm saying? He'll be like, oh, hallelujah, Alex. I love you, Alex. So that's the difference between, uh, and, and I think that's the thing. He'll he'll be over the moon with that, you know. Mm. No, that's good, mate. Um, Alex, can you talk a wee bit more about right at the start how you managed to kind of scale up your portfolio because your, your portfolio is a considerable size, isn't it? Yeah, I've got about 175 properties, and I'm in the process of buying 10, literally as we speak, uh, and I'm trying to get up to 200 before the end of this year. Uh, now, I've I've got a wee presentation coming up on the old pin uh, in the next um, next month actually. Uh, but one of the things uh, when I started, I wouldn't say it was easier because it, it was just different. Do you know what I mean? So, for example, interest rates were about six percent, you know. Um, but then again, you only had to come up with fifteen percent deposit. Uh, now you have to come up with twenty five percent, and you've got the four percent stamp duty. Uh, but then again, the interest rates are a lot lower. Uh, the regulations are different. So anybody starting out for the first time, I I, I still say uh, you can still do it. You know, I've had I've got some close friends that are in the property business, and uh, have said to me, Ah, but you can do now what you did back then, back in the year two thousand. And I think, yeah, you could, you definitely could. Uh, and the the only thing is, it's slightly different, and it is about the momentum thing. You know, uh, and I, I hear a lot of this buy, uh, refurbish, rinse, repeat, buy, and so on and so on. But it's kind of common sense. You buy a house, uh, no falling apart, don't overwhelm yourself. Uh, so you buy a house for, let me say, 60000 you put ten grand in it, you're up to seventy. 
the house is worth about 90. Uh, you remortgage it six months later, get majority of your money back and you repeat it. And while you're doing that, you're working your, your, your back end off, trying to get as much, uh, you know, overtime in your job and your, you know, your, because that's what I did. I worked from Sky and I was doing all the overtime. So I did many, many hours. You know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't working 95. I, I actually had friends that worked 95 and they would, t- I'd be in at eight o'clock. They'd go, they'd come in at nine, see me. Then they, then they'd go home at five. I'd still be there. And then the next morning they'd come in and they'd look as if I hadn't went home because they were like, have you got a bed under there? You know, but it was just because, you know, so I worked from eight o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night, seven days a week. But my wife at the time, not my wife at the time, sorry, my, my, my wife at the time said that um, she felt like a single mum because my kids were only like one and two at the time. Uh, and she felt like a single mum because I worked all the years, God sense. And I think if you're wanting that, if you want, you have to have that fire in the belly. And you that fire is, I want this now. There's a lot of people, it's like the, during the middle of the pandemic, most people fell into two brackets. You had the ones that had done really well, that worked really hard and done really well. And then you had the other ones that just sat and watched Netflix, you know, and got a couple of beers and chilled out for a year. I so it's that, better, you know, the ones that are, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it just depends what bracket, but you can still do it. You can still do it. It's just hard work, persistent, and just repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, find, become the McDonald's. You know, you go into a big, you buy a Big Mac, you buy it in Scotland, London, New York, whatever. Uh, that Big Mac's the same, and you just repeat that. You're same kitchen, same bathrooms. <laughs> Just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And that's the same any business, you know, whether you're selling stuff online or selling cars or, or doing up houses and, and, and just find the thing that you're good at and just copy it. And repeat it, it's, it's good to hear you say that, Alex, as well, because people do think that they always look for the, freaking, the quick fix, the quick win, the quick riches. And we all know there isn't such a thing as a quick fix, a quick win. It's, it's, it's constant hard work, it's long hours, it's, it's sacrifice you make away from the family and the times you're going to miss out on to... To, to work the hours to make sure you keep fucking building, accumulating. So it's, it's nice to see that from someone who's away to hit 200 properties this year and people that maybe start out thinking, oh, what the hell, this is hard work. I'm going to try to get a few this year. So it's nice to see that it still doesn't end. It still, it still requires hard work and sacrifice. Um, I'm assuming that's a different story for you now, now that you've kind of, the business is up and running and a bit more systemized and um, maybe people working for you a bit more now, no? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like any business, you always go through situations whereby you make every business makes mistakes, no matter what business it is, whether it be Jeff Bezos or, or Alex Walker, doesn't matter. Everybody makes mistakes. Now, uh, one of the mistakes I made was I had a whole bunch of people working for me. Uh, I mean, you're doing maintenance. Uh, for example, um, it was it was they're getting a wage, so they just take their time. You know, now what I do is uh, I use contract workers, but we've got, but I've seen the whole industry change uh, to a good thing, uh, and it's a lot more uh, automated. Uh, for example, there's, um, you know, I use fixed flow, which you never had before. You'd be, hold on, when I get a pen, I'll write that down, what's the matter with the thing? And then you're phoning up the, the other guy and you're writing it down. No, it's all automated. Um, uh, even like things like open rent is a lot, is a lot, you know, you just put your advert in and it, push out to all the websites for you. So there's a lot more, um, how can I say, there's a lot more, and, and, and all that software and stuff is, is available for now for somebody starting out with two or three hussies. But the way to do it, I mean, the, the bit of advice, if I was talking to my younger self, 
I would say, well, aim for one house. Just get one house this year. Just don't don't think about a hundred houses. Just get one house. Get it nice. Get it rented out. Join the pin meetings and the spider property stuff and all these other things. And and meet people and and become kind of part of your kind of lifestyle. You know, make new friends in the property business because your pals in the property business are different to the pals that you know for school, you know, uh, because their, their mindset will be different. Uh, they'll just say, ah, you're wasting your money. No, no. So really, that's what I would say, you know. You know. So I, mean, I was just saying that, that becomes your network, the people around you, the people in property and the people in business, the people have got the same interests. You. They, they become your kind of, your life, your network, which kind of drives yeah. and inspires you more, doesn't it, than the guys in the pop talk about the football. Yeah, absolutely. And you enjoy, and what I find in this is when you're talking about property to your pals for the for school, the pub or whatever, uh, they're kind of not really interested in your, your um, experiences and tenancies and all the rest of it. Whereas when you're talking to somebody that's in the property game, they're, they're like, oh, hi, well, what did you do? And, and, you, and the two of you get a bit of banter and you can have a really good conversation. I mean, I'll meet some friends here at a coffee in Edinburgh or whatever. And uh, and you know I have a really good chin wag all about property. And uh, but if I was to talk to my other pals, they'd be like, oh, "I'm bored." <laughs> so I know I can I know. can understand that. I've I've had the same conversations. Uh, so I was really I was really interested to know there. Right, obviously you're approaching two hundred properties now. That's a significant amount. Um, I mean that's potentially you know two hundred boilers breaking down. You know, two hundred tenants phoning you up, etc. So, how do you go about the management of this, uh, you know, portfolio? Have you got it outsourced to a letting agent, or do you take care of that yourself? So, again, I've done everything. I've employed people. I've used letting agents. I've done it myself. Uh, I've employed family. I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, I do it all myself. Okay, uh, and it's it's the technology there to make life easy. So. If I have a tenant phone me, I'll, I'll say, I'll text them back and I'll, I don't answer the phone. And I'll say, sorry, I missed your call. Please text back. Now, if they then text me, say, oh, my boiler's not working. And then again, it's all about using technology. It's, it's then, and then send them a template text to say, uh, I can't remember that wording, but it's basically say, hi there, can you put all your information on the fixed floor? Here's the link. Just click on it and follow the on-screen instructions. That then... He, he then clicks on it, it, tells him what to do. That then comes back to me. I look at it and I say, right, okay, well, that now goes to the electrician, the gas guy or whoever it is. I then send it to them. I then send the tenant the um, the, the, the engineer's details saying, I've been in contact with the next few, so many days, blah, blah, blah. You can phone him direct. Here's his number. So it's kind of like a triangle. So there's me, the tenant, the engineer, and that's it. And to be honest with you, that whole call, that whole thing takes me, I would say, about 25 seconds, you know, from... And that's it. I'm not inter- That's it. Bump, job done. Now, the thing is, uh, I, the reason why I'm still in triangle, if you like, is so that then I can just get a wee eye on it to make sure it's done. So at the end of the week, make sure it's done. But you, you know, they talk about this A-team, you know, having your A-team. But a lot of it's really just doing the common sense. Having good, honest, trustworthy people. You'll know yourself. If you've got a tradesman and all of a sudden all his prices are going up, 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 you're like, hold on a new. Do you know, there's something not right here. But if his prices are roughly thereabouts, you know, if he's going to fix the boiler, but if every, every boiler that goes out to is like needing a place, then you know he's at it. But, if, but you know, and that, that, 
uh, build up of um, trust, if you like, is built up over a number of years. But yeah, you know, I've got like like two or three gas engineers. I've got one good electrician. I've got probably I've got about fifteen twenty uh, tradesmen that I can send out the jobs to. But that's just trades. So if you look at renting out a property, uh, I use uh, open rent. So they bump hang it off. And again, I mean, if you, I've actually got it right down to a T, so tight that it's actually very easy for me to, because what I do is I get them to fill in a text application uh, on the phone, and when they fill in the text application, if they, once they fill in the text application, uh, it then comes back to me, I then look at that, and uh, they, then I write all over it, to just you know, a waste of time, He's got, and I've scored them one out of five, a three point four, a three point, and then and then I phone up the the top end ones, and I say, "Hi there, great news! Uh, we'd like to offer you the house." Oh, that's great! We take a hundred pound holding deposit. We use Square for that, uh, and then once we take the holding deposit, uh, we then do the referencing. We use Vouch for that, and then and then a lot of it's just common sense, you know. So, so that's amazing. Um, I mean, uh, that is amazing. Actually, oh, oh sorry, a bit of a delay in the line there. I mean, that is amazing. You must be quite a kind of rare. Uh, you're certainly a rare breed because most uh, landlords, when they get to a certain scale, they'll they'll kind of uh, you know offload that to somebody to deal with it. But you, it seems like you're pretty hands on, and I've just you've just described how you use systems and technology to make that whole uh, portfolio manageable for you day to day, right? So that that's really amazing. I mean, hats off to you. But how much of your time would you say that the, the management of the properties kind of takes up of your week you know your week is it pretty much a full-time job or you know yeah no i think um i think when i use a letting agent um the the part uh of my job say 100 percent uh we'll say uh say 40 hours a week that's a better way to describe it. that's the average working week so 40 hours a week when i use a letting agent i was managing the letting agent and i was probably spending um i would say about uh, 20 hours a week uh, get the houses into shape get them written job I still did that they didn't do that so but now I probably spend about 10 15 hours a week daily managing the properties but another time is like the house I'm going to see just now and the houses I went to see this morning was all today so I had my out and about day I don't drive so I had my out and about day and I go do, 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 do. So, as in, so I, I use Google Maps the night before and I just work out my route do you know what I mean? So I'm no kind of all over the place, you know. Uh, and I only go out, on average, about twice a week, I'll go out and about just to to see my tenants or properties or whatever it is. But very, as I said earlier, I, I, I never see the tenants. I don't even know what half the tenants look like. You have two heads for all I care. But the thing is, it's all about having systems in place and, and just managing these systems. But it's dead easy. Once you get the systems in place and you get it down to your tea, you know, I think to be honest, I reckon, I reckon the majority of my time is taken up with getting hooses into shape and buying new hooses. I would say about about thirty hours a week is doing that. The other ten is managing the properties. If I stopped buying hooses the more I'd probably work part time, put it that way, you know. And that's about having systems in place that does it all for you. Right, so I'm really interested to kind of go back a wee bit to obviously when you left Sky as the call centre operative and then you scaled up to, you know, nearly 200 properties. So we've kind of like, there's this whole bit in between about the whole scaling up and acquiring the property and buying the properties. Like, 
finance how did you do that how did you manage to fund all these properties like was it just reinvesting was it did you get equity built up like tell us a little bit about all that so basically um i've always went for yield and um and you know so when i work for sky right so 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 back in the day right i'm working for sky and i get one property then as i say that was one i lived in and then I get, and then we, uh, me and Janice moved into a house, and we then to do it her house. So we had two houses, right? Now you're working away, you're making your money, you're taking home, say, £1,500 a month, it was a lot of money then. Uh, working like basically the equivalent of 100 euros a week, and you're getting £1,500 a month. Uh, that's great. Uh, but um, no, don't forget, as you're making two, £300 a month on your two flats as well, so you're making basically two grand a month. So all of a sudden, after a period of about six months, you can start to think, and it, has, it snowballed really, really quick. I would say it took me about, within about five years, I went from almost like two or three hussies to 100 hussies really, really quick, because this was before 2008, and the banks were throwing money at you. They were just wanting you to buy my memory. So I would, uh, so as soon as I bought a house, now I have to wait six months. Uh, so as soon as I bought a house, I'd get a wee quote of pain and you can't really do that now, but you get a wee quarter pain. You buy it for, say, 60000 was always my maximum. Uh, you buy it for 60000 you get the guy doing for the Bank of Scotland, in this case, it was Birmingham, Midshire, uh, and you would say, uh, oh, yeah, I've, I've done, put new windows in, I've done this. <laughs> and they would go, right, okay, well, we'll up it. Uh, we think there's an extra 10 grand in there. Right, okay, great. So 10 grand doesn't sound much. You've got five houses, you just bought five. Uh, you get 10 grand on each. You got 85% was a loan to value back then. The 85% is 42 and a half, I think. Uh, 42 and a half thousand. So straight away, and don't forget, you can buy the next house for under 60 grand. New stamp duty, 60 grand, 15% was nine grand. Plus a grand for legals. So if you go 42 and a half, I got you four houses. Yeah. So straight away, you went from, say, 10 houses to 14. And then as soon as you got the 10, day 14 went to do it, you're back to thing, and then you were up to twenty, and then you're up to thirty, and then what you did is you went back back the way and looked at the first load that you'd be mortgaged a year ago. And you said, yeah, that's better for you. Yeah, that's better for you. Obviously, all you did was again, you know, and don't forget, as uh, I had two vans on the road, um, I was working on those. God said, so I was doing it all myself. You know, you really need to get your elbows dirty, get right in there, get in amongst the dirt. Don't phone. No, I'm contractor, right? Boom. But I can afford to do that. It doesn't bother me spending, you know, it doesn't bother me spending like 80 quid to get a plumber out to fix a toilet. That doesn't bother me. Back then, I was like, what? 80 pounds? No, I'll do that. No, I'm doing the plunger. <laughs> get myself covered in the valley, you know. Uh, but, you know, and I'm talking about new right, So you need to get your horns dirty. You need to work, basically work really, really hard. Nandy's going to, unless you've got a rich uncle, Nandy's going to get. So come back to your original question. Is, is, yeah. It can be still be done in the new It's a wee bit harder, you know. Tell me, you've still got a plunge on the back of that Range Rover that you're in at the moment, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, I've, I've got key I've got key locks. I've got key locks and, and key boxes. That's what I've got now. See, times have went on. So I've got key bulk, I'll jump out and show you, but I've got key locks now. Um, so what I do is um, I put in key locks on the outside of all the properties, though with the wee numbers, so they're handy. So when I come to rent out a property, I, as I say, I don't see the tenant. If it's done online, I use DocuSign, 
uh, even the tenancy agreement signed online. Uh, and then when the tenant's ready to go, again, I send them a wee template text to say, congratulations on your new house. Here's the key code. The keys will be on the outside. Tenants don't see the house, you know. Uh, and if they start asking too many questions, I just think maybe you should find something else. Uh, maybe maybe that's what for you, you know what I mean? So uh, I try find, you know, so you're looking for that golden tenant and they do exist, you know. Right, there's no plunger. <laughs> this, this is going to be part of your huge growth, Alex, as you're, you're kind of, you seem to always evolve over the times, like you're coming up with technology I didn't even know about it. That must be, you must have flipping some years on me and I'm, I'm like, what? That, that system, that software show... Has that been part of your kind of continuous growth of just learning and evolving and if something new comes in that makes your life easier, just adapt it and put it straight in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, technology, I mean, I used to be a software engineer and don't get me wrong, I'm not a really intelligent guy or whatever. Uh, I went back to college when I was in like 20, 25 or something like that. But, um, uh, well, I was about 25. Uh, but software should be super simple to, to use. You know, it shouldn't be complicated. It shouldn't be like, you know, you know, and it's about like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a new piece of software right now as we speak and your business always needs to evolve and grow. And the software that I'm using is called Lend, no landlord, Lendlord now. And, and the fella that has been really helpful, and I'll let you know if it's any good. Uh, I can't vouch for it the new, until uh, I've used it for a wee while. But the way to think about it is the um, looking at it like a car. If the if the software is all singing and dancing and does two hundred mile an hour, you don't want it to do two hundred mile. You just want to go thirty mile an hour to start off with. Just learn the basics, and then once you're happy with being a learner, if you like, and you're happy with thirty mile an hour, then bump it up to add a wee bit, a wee bit more bells and whistles at fifty, and then when you get to hang it, go start going on the motorway and start doing a wee bit more singing and dancing with it. But when you use any new software, it should be super simple. The problem being is there's that many software out there and a lot of it can be kind of overwhelming that it just you know, becomes a brain mess. So you just kind of... So the best way to do it is just use basic software that people have used and, uh, yeah, keep it simple. That's it. Keep it simple. So, Alex, that's great. Um, that's I was going to ask you about the... Obviously, you acquired the bulk of your portfolio pre-2008. So, you know, coming into 2008, when all the, the shit hit the fan, what was your reaction then? How did you kind of weather that storm? Did you manage to hold on to all your properties? You know, did you have to re refinance? Or how, how did you kind of... Obviously, you're talking about 85% loan-to-value. That's quite heavily exposed. So were you okay? What happened there? So when you've got nothing to lose um, and somebody says to you, um, I'll give you loans, so 100% loan to value, for example, and I didn't get that, but you see that, um, what would you go to lose? Nothing, absolutely nothing to lose. So you would take it. Now, when I had nothing, you have to remember, I came from nothing, you know, and I, when I say nothing, some people have got maybe a, a, a mum and dad where they've got that kind of safety net, if you like. I had nothing, you know, I, Trust me. So, um, I know I say like, <laughs> out of the fiddle. Anyway, so I bought, uh, my properties, I actually was stopped at 100 houses and around about 2008. And whether the storm, really what happened is around about 2008, uh, I stopped buying. 
and I was quite happy. We are, I was going to buy it, we are, uh, and I just enjoyed the money. I uh, um what else? Um, I done extensions. I just made my my. Um, uh, I improved my properties. I just made my um, my portfolio better. You know, even though the technology wasn't there. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of hands on. You know, but I, I made it better, and I was quite happy with that. And then it was, and this is all about the networking thing. This is why it's always important to be the networking because I went to Scottish Sources, all landlord, Sal. I went to one of their meetings and there was a guy for the Bank of Scotland, I always remember that, and he's starting up there, right? And he's like, we're lending money. We're, we're, nobody, this is about 2010, about this time, and literally nobody was lending money. And he's like, we're lending money. We've got money. We're giving it, we're happy to lend money. So, I had a meeting with a guy, had a coffee, uh, so I had a coffee with a guy, went down, and uh, I met him in Morrison's and uh, and Bathgate, you know, was it Morrison's and Livingston, Morrison's and Livingston, Bathgate was there, so M Morrison's and Livingston, anyway, so the fees were expensive, the deposit was huge, uh, but hooses were dirt cheap, I was getting hooses for about, uh, honestly, 40, 45, nobody was buying them, you know, I bought it, put it this way, this is a good example. I was I bought a house in Bathgate, semi-detached, fifty grand, and uh, it was a repo, and uh, nobody wanted it. It was sitting there, for, it smelled of dampness inside because it's that empty. So this was about 2010, 11, 12. I bought about about thirty houses. Nobody bought. I bought about thirty houses. So uh, sitting on 130 odds by about 2012, 13, and I stopped buying again. Uh, and then um, COVID struck uh, uh, last year, uh, and it was just the back end of 2019, I started buying again. So from 2019 to today, I bought, was that 40-odd houses? Most of them I've bought in the last year, last year and now, this year. Uh, and the reason being is because nobody else is buying. And everybody was saying, I remember, everybody was saying, I'm going to wait till the... Till the till the pandemic's over and house prices crash, I was like, no, because house prices are cheap and they're quite good. The numbers add up, so if the numbers add up, buy. If the numbers don't add up, don't buy. And so the numbers added up during the middle of the pandemic. And 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 I'm not saying I've done anything. I'm just using common sense. If you see a house that the numbers add up, you, I mean, like, so a year ago, I was buying houses for about sixty, seventy thousand. And uh, I was renting them out for about six hundred quid. These same houses, honestly, they've all went up ten grand. It's a double-edged sword because, on one hand, it allows me to lease equity, but on the other hand, if I go buy more houses, they're now ten grand dearer. Do you know what I mean? So it's that double-edged sword. But you just have to kind of—it's almost like it's not—it's not an exact science. It's just kind of common sense. Think to yourself, well, can I make money at this? I mean, if a two-bedroom flat right now is eighty thousand and uh, the mortgage is going to be, say, like just under 200 quid, then I can, I can rent it out for 650. Yeah, I'm going to do it because I'm going to make 400 quid. I guess 50 quid for maintenance, a couple of quid for the mortgage, and that gives me 400 quid. Of course, I'm going to do it. So when is the right time to buy? It's always now. So although the market's doing this, uh, I'm still going to buy houses right now. Uh, and as I say, I'm in the process of buying 10, and in one say 10 are done, I'll probably put another 15 at the back and then I'll probably stop for a wee while uh, and then just kind of 
sniff about and see what's kicking about. But there's no there's no exact signs. It's just uh, keep the business rolling uh, constantly and try to evolve it. But don't, make, don't keep it. Try to keep it simple. Did you get a lending fund available for these purchases and Alex, like a like a Bank of Scotland kind of lending fund that will kind of lend on your portfolio and release more equity if you go and buy buy more and in bulk? No, no, they, 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 it was a business loans uh, back in 2012-13 when I got the um, when when they say that we'll lend money. It was business loans, so it was quite high interest. I think I was paying something like I was like six and a half percent, you know. Uh, but it was still cheap, you know, because the number still added up. So you just have to keep your eye on the the, the kind of overall ball, if you like, you know. It's about like if you bought a house and you're going to flip it, and the guy says, right, I know we agreed 100 grand, but I want 110 or I'm going to walk away. You'd think, oh, Jesus. But if you know it's worth 150, still buy it 110 because you're still going to make 40 grand if that's as a, a kind of really kind of bad example but that's an example don't don't you know cut your face cut your nose bite your face sort of thing so it's kind of one of the things there where um i would probably um always go with the deals that you know but there's deals everywhere but as i say no they, they were just it was just business loans uh there wasn't any mortgages as such um and then when you, i did remortgage them property or not so you have you an individual mortgage for each property at the moment or is it Lumped into a couple of lenders. No, no, no. no. Well, it's it's it's, it's individual mortgages with individual mm. lenders. So we have um, we have um, I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, I would say I've probably got about fifteen or twenty houses with no mortgages, and it's mm. just the way they've evolved. Do you know what I mean? So, for example, um, uh, I bought a house, right? I bought a few, but obviously, I I, I bought some houses where the, the the mortgage lender didn't lend the money. And I'm like, you're crazy. Okay, okay, that's a good example. So there was uh, there was two houses, right? Just recently, there was two houses and we were buying them and both of them were about 80,000 pounds a pop. And the mortgage lender said, yeah, that's fine. So go to the house, take mine. Oh, we've changed our criteria. Now it has to be a minimum of 100,000. I said, well, I'm only buying this one for 80. Uh, it's 100. Do I know it was worth? More than 80. I thought it was worth about 95. So I bought it cash for 80,000. It's probably worth about 100. No, I'll just wait a wee while longer and when I'm ready, I'll remortgage it, get 75% of 100 or 110. I'll get my money back. So, it's, but you can only do that once you get the, once you got the momentum and got the money. Because obviously, starting out, you can't do things like that. Uh, but yeah, so all my houses have got individual mortgages, where, whether they're through my name, my wife's name, or the limited company that I set up, obviously evolving your business. So we set up a limited company a couple of years ago when all this kind of, um, you know, you kind of put the, the interest through the, the business, you know. Um, so uh, we set up a limited company to buy properties, you know. And is the plan to transfer them on to the limited company at some point? No, I think I think uh, the plan would just be, I mean, I mean, the thing is, I think the main thing is just keep the business growing at a steady pace. Don't get too, um, uh, how can I say, don't get too cut on uh, trying to find a way out. You know, just keep the business growing, keep the revenue coming. You know, I mean, for me, it's retirement. And then when I'm in my 60s, uh, I look at inheritance tax and things like that. But it's always evolving. There's no point in looking at it the new because I'm 52 
and you know, hopefully I lived him at least seventy-two. So I've got a few years left still. And the rules will change. You know, the rules will yeah. change. Like there might be another yeah. new pandemic. You know, called COVID thirty or something. You know. Well, so that's, a, that's a good point about, obviously, we're talking about exits here and stuff like that. Everybody says, you know, get your exit clear and stuff. So, you know, with regards to exit, do you have, like, um, do you have kids or that? Or, like, what was the reason yeah, for yeah. you? Everyone's got a reason why they get involved in property. Obviously, some build wealth, some build legacy. You know, what's your kind of plan for that retirement and, and exit, if you like? So, um, <laughs> question. So when you start in property, as I said, 20 years ago, most people that got into property fell in backwards because there was none of this, there was none of, of these podcasts or uh, pin meetings or nothing. There was nothing, you know. It's basically your own, you're on your own deal, you know. It's like nothing. Anyway, so when you get into property back in the day, you kind of just got into it and kind of, and before you know it, you say, oh, I'm making a wee bit of money here. You know, I set out to make a whole load of money. It was just like, I mean, and then the penny drops, and that's when you start to think, you start going part-time and leaving your job. And and that that, that, that was what happened But for me. Now, the thing is, now, what's your exit strategy? Now, that's going to sign thing. But my exit strategy has always been, when I'm dead, then I'll exit, you know? So that's my exit strategy. It's never, it's never in a situation that when I hit 55 or when I hit 60 or 70 or 80, I'll just keep the business growing at a steady, steady pace. Uh, 200, 250, 300, 350. Blah, 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 blah. So that's what I'll do. And then I'll just like pass it on to my kids and all the rest of it. Hopefully, you know, the wee bit of generational wealth will be in there and they'll thank me and my grandmains and my great-grandmains will thank me. I don't know. I'll not be here. I'll be six feet under. I don't really care. But the thing is, it's about having that balance just now. So, like uh, you mentioned earlier on, oh, if you've got a nice Range Rover, I just bought this car, uh, and it's a £90,000 car. Uh, and it's about, no, I couldn't have bought that when working on Sky. Do you know what I'm saying? But it's about having that balance. Uh, when I go on holiday, I try... You know, I try, I, I like going, my, my wains, this is where money is good. So my wains growing up, you know, the reason why I worked all the years God said is, I'll just tell you very briefly, is um, I wanted my kids not to have holes in their shoes. Now that doesn't mean anything to most generations these days, but holes in the shoes back in the 70s, that's what I had. I had holes in my shoes. And I know you can get a pair of shoes for £10, you know, but for me and my brain, that, you know, so I worked all the years, God saying, because I didn't want that for my kids. Now, I'm trying to get to a stage where, so I'm not trying, I was trying to get to a stage where I didn't have that, uh, and my kids would have a good standard of living. But to give you an example, my kids turned around to me and said, this is before the pandemic, Dad, I'm fed up going to Disney. Can we not go somewhere else? Now, most kids, when they go to Disney, it's a lifetime holiday. Your mum and dad work really hard. You save up, you know, 150 quid a month. You know, you know, it's a 10 grand holiday. Uh, you know, 15 grand at the time you had spending. So it's not a cheapy holiday. Hey, I'm going there at the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need money left. Uh, but it's an expense. It's a great, you'll love it. It's absolutely brilliant. But anyway, um, but it is a great holiday, you know. And the thing is, what I'm trying to say is you have to have that balance between growing the business and, um, I mean, 
psychologically, I, I could go out, for example, I could go out tomorrow and buy a Rolls Royce. No problem. I could have went out. Sorry. Right, I could have went out a couple of years ago and bought this Range Rover, maybe 10 years ago, but I couldn't spend that kind of money buying a Range Rover. It was too dear. Does that make sense? Um, so it's kind of like that way. Um, it's, it's kind of like, if you're starting out, you should be driving old bangers. Not old bangers, but you should be driving cheap cars. You should be, you know, you, should, you shouldn't be buying flashy watches. I don't even wear a watch. But you shouldn't be buying flashy watches. You should never be buying designer clays. You know, you don't need a BMW. You need a car. Do you know what I'm saying? And you should be churning all the money back into growth. And that's really where you are. And reward yourself with the BMWs, with the, the fancy watches. If you like, nothing the matter with a watch. But only get it once you've reached that goal. You set your goal, I'm going to get five hooses. When I get five hooses, I'm getting myself a Rolex. Five hooses equals Rolex. And have that as your, as your goal. Rolex, Rolex, five hooses, five hooses. And then once you get it, then you can go to the next stage. But you know, make it make it relative. You know, that's, that's, that's a really good bit of advice, Alex. And what what is what's your kind of? So you're talking about being excellent, but what's the kind of end goal that you're kind of reach at? You did touch on you wanted two hundred properties by the end of the year. Is it, is that is that a unit number or is that a cash flow number or is it a value number? Or is it a net worth that number? Is it, you got something that you're aiming for? So I think for me, it's just um, I, I'd like to get it up to two hundred. And then, uh, you know, I set myself goals every year, but it's not a goal to um, um, just because it keeps my brain sane. <laughs> because if I don't, then I kind of like, you know, I do enjoy this as well. That's another thing. You get, you get, you're going to have bad tenants. You're going to have bad tenants. You're going to have people ripping you off. You're going to have, you know, chances. You're going you're to have, um, you know, uh, that's running a business, but that's life, isn't it? You know, you get good people and bad people in life. Um, so, but I do enjoy it. I enjoy providing good. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy meeting you guys and, and doing this kind of thing. And, and to me, it's fun. If, as soon as you start hating it and it comes like, you know, but don't go wrong. It's like life. You go through good times and bad times. But if, if you say to me, it was an extra strategy, I don't really have one, as I said. It's, not, it's just to keep it growing at a steady pace, enjoy. Uh, so in, say, five years' time, I've got, say, 250 hooses, right? So I'd probably say to myself, right, oh, I've always fancied a Lamborghini. No, the picture, wallpaper picture, you know, so I'll go and buy myself a Lamborghini. Right, okay, scratch that, that's it, done. Uh, right, you know, so I've got 250 hooses. Right, what am I going to do this year? And, and it's that kind of continually growing you know, I maybe go on a cruise. I maybe pay for my pal to come with. He's got he's got a normal job. He's got a lot of money, right? I'll pay you and your family. Boom. And doing things like that is makes me feel. It's a bit like watching kids open up presents at, at Christmas. Uh, so it's kind of like you know, so if you can help friends and family uh, as well, and, and that gets you a wee bit of kind of, you know, don't worry, I'll I'll, I'll cover that. You know, uh, you know I mean things like that, and you can do stuff like that once you get to a certain level. You know, you can help friends and family out as well, you know. But um, oh, it's just, just to keep it growing at a steady pace, you know. I like it. And you're obviously doing something right because you've just passed up. We touched on 2008 and we talked about a global pandemic there as well. So you're kind of, you're probably two recessions or two two dips in and you're still going for strength to strength and it's constantly evolving. So uh, you're obviously doing something right. I think listeners should be taking a lot of the, what you've said as, as great advice. And I know we will be. Thank you.
I know, no, it was really, really interesting chat, uh, Alex. Thanks very much. I was just curious, you know how you're saying you've got another 10 on the horizon that you're buying? How are you sourcing these properties? Have you got a reputation in local areas where people come to you? Or are you just going through agents? Or how how's it work for the finding the properties? So what I do is I do a multi-text. So what I do is I go into open rent and uh, I just put in my criteria. So it's two bedroom, terrace house, 20 miles from my, from West Lothian and search. And what pops up is roughly really about between 50 and 80 properties, you know. Uh, from there, uh, I then just basically copy and paste. I never phone them because I, I can't be bothered speaking to anybody. So I always copy and paste a wee text. Hi there, uh, I'm really interested in your property. I'd like to put an offer in of 82,000, da 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 da. Uh, and that's it. Boom. And I just send out all the texts uh, or emails. Now, what happens is some of them then come back to me. Oh, it's got a closing date. Especially now, oh, it's got a closing date. Or oh, they're, they're looking for 85. Or oh, da da da. Or da. And then you have to just kind of think me. But a lot of estate agents know me. Uh, and that's God's honest truth because I buy in the same areas. So they know I'm not a time waster. They know I think. Some of them turn around and say, well, my clients say they would buy, uh, they would take your offer, but all of you come and view it. And then I flip it back to them and I say, well, I'd. I'll come and view it only if they accept my offer. You know what I mean? Or they'll turn around and say something like, right, okay, well, that's great, uh, Mr. Walker. Um, uh, would you uh, pay an extra 2000 And I go, well, no, not really. And I don't want my offer being used as a backup offer. So I tell you what, I've offered 80000 and my offer's on the table to, to basically close the business today. And then I'm completely withdrawing it because uh, I've seen another house that I would rather buy, but I'll take yours first. And so it's almost kind of putting that pressure back on them. Uh, you know, are we kind of flipping around? Because what they're wanting you, because you have to remember, I've, I've no heart in this. I'm no tied into it. I don't care. If I don't get the house, I'll go buy something else. So that's the, that's the difference, you know what I mean? So I'll then flip it back to them. They'll tell you what, I'll put an offer in at 80,000, 80, 80, sorry. Put an offer in 80,000, you've asked me to, the offer's on the table to end the business, and then I'm withdrawing it, but you need to withdraw it, and then withdraw it, because then you know, you know, you know, usually to be honest with you, they come back and they say, I spoke to my client, great news, they're going to accept your offer, I know they're going to accept the offer, <laughs> you know what I mean, uh, and that's it, and then I phone up my solicitor, I use just email her, I do it even quicker, I can't be bothered typing, I can't even be bothered typing, I do a screen dump of the, of the picture, I write on the top of it, like, uh, 80,000, so you can write on your phone, 80,000, and I just post it off to the solicitor. I, I don't even worry type. <laughs> that's how, that's how I think it. Uh, sometimes I'll make, I'll do some calls if there's a wee bit of negotiation, but honestly, that, that, and even now, that still works. You know, even in the middle of a growing market, that still works. So there's no, um, how can I say, there's no magic wands and there's no um, um, kind of, Oh, I you know, the ideal. <laughs> no, no, it's just you know, it's just common sense. I mean, you'll know the, the areas that you're in. You know, where... I mean, that's good. That's good to hear. I think that's one of the things that quite often you get people come to you and say, "How do you get hold of these deals? You know, where are these sources that bring you all these amazing deals? A lot of it is like you say, it's just hard graft, um, networking, contacting agents, building up relationships with agents, and then eventually stuff will start sort of going your way uh, but it's one of my pet hates as well it's interesting you say there about you know putting in the offers there you know without going to view the places 
and and generally that's what you get from agents you know you try and phone up you try and discuss the price or get an idea what the clients want and that and they won't entertain you they'll be like oh you know would you would you like to book a viewing that's their question would you like to book a viewing when can I get you out to view the property I'm like no can you just tell me what's their expectation what price are they after it's just that's just their obviously protocol and procedures that they need to follow yeah it's um yeah yeah I mean sorry anyway I mean, I mean, the thing is, no, no, no. I mean, the thing is, they are, you have to remember, they're on commission as well. So they're, they're, they want to kind of almost make their job worthwhile. You know, like, oh, we're showing all these people the houses and, uh, you know, and they're charging the client a grand and a half or something. But the other thing I was going to say was, uh, is I don't put in for one or two houses. When I'm, when I'm looking for houses, I'll, I'll apply for, I would say on average about 50, 60, 70 properties at the same time. And a lot of them tell me to go and take a flying jump. Uh, but I, I'm not looking for 60 or 70. I'm maybe looking for five. So, uh, you know, and, and it's narrowing it down and doing and doing and then bang. I've got, that's a good deal. That's a good deal. And I might only get four out of about 40 emails or 50 whatever emails. I might only get four. And then all I need to find another one. Uh, and then I found it and then bang, then I'm ready to go again. Do you know what I mean? That's really good advice, Alex. Um, I think, we, I think we should actually wrap up there. I'm, I'm trying to think, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but we really, really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us and sharing your knowledge. Um, could you let the listeners know where they can reach out to you and where they can join your, you did mention you were doing a pin uh, talk coming up. Yeah. Yeah, so it's in July next month in Edinburgh, uh, the Edinburgh pin. I don't know exactly what date it is, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe maybe you guys can stick it up in the old meeting or we can check with Tamur, the guy that runs it. Uh, but yeah, so I'll be doing, and my, my, my talk then is actually, so anybody starting out, it's going to be ideal for you because it's actually a beginner's guide on how to get into property and start a portfolio. And it's kind of almost kind of a wee bit what I've touched today. So it's kind of into that and kind of grown that. And that's with the Edinburgh pin. Uh, so yeah, get get yourself signed up. You can do it do, doing the old Zoom thing, and it's cheap. So that sounds that sounds uh, like a good title for a, a property training course, Alex. So you have you got one of them launching anytime soon? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm, I'm too busy thinking about my next car and going on <laughs> holiday and all that. But I, I don't mind sharing sharing with anybody. Anybody that's got any questions or whatever, you know, email me whatever. I'm happy to, if I can help anybody. You know, it's not an issue, a problem at all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. But, you know, so, so. Uh, it's really, yeah. We'll um, pin me in the show notes, pal, so everybody can look, everybody can reach out to you and your details as well. Thanks, okay. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That was a good laugh. Okay. Thanks very much, Alex. Much appreciated. <laughs> all right. All right. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Speak to you soon. That's Cheers, right. man. So totally inspired by that, uh, by Alex's chat, obviously. If you're interested in hearing more, uh, he is doing a presentation at a pin meeting. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, and yeah, if you guys have got a minute, please leave a review, rate podcast, uh, head over to our Facebook page and tag us on Instagram, Stephen. Absolutely. Continue to reach out to us on social media. We enjoy getting your feedback and your response and suggestions for guests and topics to be covered on the podcast as always. So thank you very much. Excellent. Bye for now. See you next week. Thanks.